Hello, everyone, and welcome to the final episode of season one of the Thought Leaders podcast. Today, we have a very special show for you. Joining me is Edwin Mejia and Vlad Yudin of GenerationIron.com. Plain and simple, these two gentlemen are responsible for bringing bodybuilding into the 21st century. Stay tuned to hear how they did this by building their own brand, putting out amazing documentaries, and creating a culture that has made them the go-to name for all things bodybuilding. This is the Thought Leaders Podcast. Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to our kick-ass team here at Thought Leaders. As always, I love bringing you guys the best and brightest content creators to hear their stories. But that is just the beginning of what we do here at Thought Leaders. Our amazing team of analysts are bringing you data-backed insights on the latest industry trends in our Thought Leaders weekly newsletter. We're shipping our best work out to you directly every Thursday for free. So check it out at thoughtleaders.io slash newsletter to subscribe. That's thoughtleaders.io slash newsletter. This is the Thought Leaders Podcast. Hello, everyone. And today we are back with another kick-ass episode of the Thought Leaders Podcast. Um, And today's episode is something that's been in the making for a very long time. And I'm very (laughs) excited, very, very freaking excited to bring you two individuals that in my eyes have done just as much for the fitness and bodybuilding community as the one and only Arnold Schwarzenegger. They have brought back the golden days, the glory years of bodybuilding and fitness. People are at gyms all over the world. These guys, whether they know it or not, are inspiring people. I'm in Tel Aviv. I work out. I know Generation Iron. Um, and I want to say thank you guys for that. And um, we have Vlad Yudin and Edwin Mejia here, the co-founders of Generation Iron. Guys, how you doing? What's up, man? That was a, that was a great uh, intro right there. Uh, well, listen, we definitely don't bullshit on the podcast. And everything I did say really is from, you know, the heart. And it, it's true. Um, you guys have created this incredible company, this incredible media company that I turn on Netflix in Tel Aviv and I see amazing bodybuilding documentaries, right? Um, Ronnie Coleman, the king, was on Joe Rogan, what, three weeks ago? And everyone is talking about that, right? Like, and you guys did the amazing documentary on Netflix. So, I mean, again, it's, it's, uh, from my perspective, it's all true. So thank you guys. Thank you for having us, man. Uh, okay, so let's just just uh, dive right in. I really want to talk about how um, Generation Iron evolved, how you guys met, um, kind of the story from the beginning. So really, wherever you guys want to start, just take it away. Yeah, I, um, you know, I guess I'll start. I mean, uh, you know, we've been producing film and docs for over 10 years now. And uh, we initially, uh, Vlad and I known each, known each other from school. We went to Patient University here in New York uh, together. We've known each other since school. Um, we've been big, big fans of the arts. Obviously, you know, being in New York, going to a predominantly, I would say, finance and entrepreneurship program 
um, here in New York, you know, we were always, you know, in, in pace to go and work in finance and create our own business. Vlad has always been passionate about film and the arts and, you know, me coming having and having a finance background. Um, I always wanted to make sure that I can have a, um, an understanding of how to create a business, how to fundamentally grow a business, but more importantly, have stability. Right. And, you know, I worked in finance for many years, but we, I don't know, I've known each other since school. And, you know, in 2008, we got together. We finally said, you know, we wanted to create some projects together, some films. We got together. We started producing a movie called the Last Day of Summer with Nikki Reed, who was initially in Twilight. And we had DJ Qualls in it. That movie actually was sold around the world. Uh, it was Vlad's, Vlad's first featured uh, directing. And then, um, you know, I got together with Vlad as a producing partner and we started putting together content together. And uh, that all started in 2008. And that kind of created the evolution of what, you know, the Vlad company, Generation Iron Brands now is, obviously. So, you know, we've been working together ever since. And that's kind of how the history kind of all started. Okay. So it seems like you guys started as a regular... You guys did that one movie, which is really awesome. And then, so I guess you guys at some point uh, decided to pivot into, you know, the bodybuilding world, correct? Yeah, we started making a film called The First Generation Iron. That was 2012, basically. And as we were making a film about bodybuilding, uh, which was very unexplored sport at that time for the, for, the, for the majority of the population, we realized that inside this industry, which was actually pretty big, just wasn't very out there yet. It's right before social media hit, you know? Right. And we saw a big void in the bodybuilding industry for media content. You know, we saw just magazines that were about to die because uh, when Joe Weider, you know, who was obviously kind of like the godfather of media bodybuilding, when he made those magazines, he sold them in roughly 2003. And the company who bought it never innovated anything. So we saw those magazines are about to die. The bodybuilders have no media really. And we saw a big void in this industry. And we thought that if we make quality content, we can cater to that audience. And also at the same time, you know, explore further into this world and deliver the message to other people outside of the industry. That's why, you know, a lot of people when they saw the first generation iron, they were very excited about it. And they were just kind of in awe, you know, because they, they didn't know anything about this competition of Olympia. They didn't know anything about bodybuilders. And it was just something fresh, new, you know what I mean? So we, we build the Generation Nine Fitness Network to cater to the bodybuilding audience, to the fitness audience, but also just bring everybody in and introduce them to the to the fitness that way, you know. So that's that's how it was formed originally. Okay. Um, so how did so for Generation Iron, first of all, everyone watch it, incredible documentary. So how did you guys kind of land on the bodybuilding world to do that first documentary? Yeah, you know, <laughs> Funny, Vlad, you know, obviously, you know, we had a meeting, we discussed it internally. He said, you know, we have this opportunity. Let's meet with, uh, I believe it was, um, uh, what was the director? He was the Olympia director at the time. He yeah. was organizing Olympia and, you know, we had an opportunity to meet with him. And, but, but before we even met with him, we just kind of like, we were looking for different subjects uh, for documentaries. You know, we, go, we were working actually on like five different films at the time in, de in development stages. And then the bodybuilding came came up, you know, right. and and then we met with a producer of Pumping Iron. Um, okay. We thought, why don't we? And Pumping Iron, actually, we both loved that film, right? We both watched it, and also many other people saw it. But that came out in 1975 or 77, <laughs> actually. So you can just imagine how much time passed by without any anybody else revisiting the topic of bodybuilding. 
Yeah, so Jerome Gary, the original producer, and then we had we met with as well with George Butler, who's the director of Pumping Iron um, back then, and we realized it was a huge opportunity to tell a story today, like a modern day version of uh, Pumping Iron, and uh, that's when we started to meet guys like Phil Heath, Kai Green, Branch Warren, all these you know new you know bodybuilders that people just didn't really understand well, and then Vlad and I realized after meeting them that they had a story to tell. And that not only that, you know, they, they, there was a lot of humor. They had, they had a lot of charisma. These are guys that, you know, we can help humanize and tell their stories. Um, and, and then we find them very fascinating as not only as body, bodybuilders, but also as personalities, you know, obviously as Arnold says, bodybuilders are sculptors. And we just find it really fascinating to be able to tell a story like that. So we started attending the Arnold Classic. We started going to the Olympia. We started, you know, working with the the producers of the Olympia and American Media Inc. at the time who owned the Olympia, and we started putting together this film. And um, you know, we did a tour all the way from New York, all the way down through the South and all the way down west to Gold's Venice Gym, and uh, and that's how the movie came together. Wow, the hardest part of what we do, honestly, with all these films, is is finding the right personalities. You know, even for the first generation, I know it was obviously Phil Heath was a champion at the time. And Kai Green was the underdog, right? But the other cast members are very important too, like Victor Martinez, you know, Hida Yamagishi, Dennis Wolf, you know, they, they, because there was a lot of bodybuilders at the time, but we just had to like really cast them to the point where they added something to the film and were fun to watch. So, mm -hmm. and still to this day, like we're making a new film right now, The Fourth Generation Iron. And it was the same thing, you know, we had to really sit down to analyze all the people that eventually could be in it and really find the, the most interesting personalities and great stories. And that would really goes a lot into what we do. You know, that's probably the most, the most important first step of any project that we do. Mm -hmm. So when you guys went into the Generation Iron project, had, did you guys know the plan of, okay, we're gonna wanna tell this specific story? Or it seems like you guys were kind of outsiders um, in the bodybuilding world. So it was kind of, why don't we meet the people and let them take us to wherever it is? that they'll take us? No, we're definitely outsiders, you know, um, especially when the first movie, we were making the first film. But I think the people in the industry were, were not going to be able to make a film like this because to them, it's it's very ordinary. You know, what the, the, the world they live in, it's, it's what becomes ordinary. We saw it as extraordinary. So we were able to highlight certain important points, right? Um, we were able to identify it because to us, it was a brand new world. So I feel like in that way, an advantage. Uh, people that are too close to it, who are inside of that world, they don't see sort of like the little details, intricate details that we'll be able to, you know, to put in the film. Yeah. As you guys are talking right now, there's, I'm not sure, I'm, well, I know why. Baseball keeps um, popping into my head because baseball, as we all know, you know, it, it's having a tough time modernizing, right? There's the old card that doesn't want to change things. And I know that bodybuilding up until again, you guys really came along and started putting out content was this insular closed community with the magazines. And, you know, I personally knew about the Arnold classic and Mr. Olympia, but that was just for my dad. But I think a lot of people wouldn't. So was there that pushback for you guys? Like, Hey, we don't want to do this. Um, or was everyone or the big players in the space kind of really receptive to you? There isn't enough information out there. A lot of enough. We didn't. We didn't have enough data to really understand if they would be interested in releasing a movie on these bodybuilders. And obviously, at the time, social media wasn't where it is today, where you have all these guys with you know three, four million followers. Some of them. So, 
you know, ultimately we had to make a call. We had to put together the best possible film and movie and storyline. And, um, you know, it's, you know, as, as filmmakers at that time, we had it, we were in a position where we had to take the movie out, convince studio executives to give us a shot to release the film, you know, put together a marketing plan and an agenda and ad campaign that can help support the film's release. And then we had to go out and get distributors overseas. You know, so sometimes we're used to going to Cannes, Berlin, and all these film markets around the world to convince these companies to take on the film. And believe it or not, a lot of people just didn't understand the sport. They didn't understand the film uh, and, and, and who these athletes were. A lot of people loved the movie, but they didn't really want to give it a, give it a shot. Um, but what we did was we got together with stars uh, at the time, and we were able to release the film and, and put together a, a really – concrete agenda and we released it and rolled it out directly here we created our own relationships with amc regal cinemark and all the theater chains so we have our exhibitor relationship that had grown just from the experience in generation iron because we were able to bring in so much revenue the film opened up the first weekend top top five top ten documentary at the box office uh in in it was 2013 it was top five highest grossing doc at the box office and um, it was number one documentary for weeks. Wow. Um, across AMC, Regal, Cinemark. And that essentially was able to solidify our relationships with exhibitors. And that ended up opening up relationships on the cable, you know, transactional VOD side. Okay. Um, that, you know, that, that seems like a crazy, and I would love to hear more about that. So you guys, you make this documentary, you finish, and then... It seems like you guys got some rejections. So now you have to go and actually sell this to theater chains in the U.S. Am I understanding that correctly? Exactly. Yeah. Correct. So, so yeah. what, what the hell is that like? I mean, what do you, where do you not, where do you even go to get into an MC theater? <laughs> you know, that seems like crazy. I can't even fathom what that looks like. Yeah. You know, it was interesting. At first we realized that we, you know, we had to put together a campaign, you know, with AMC and Cinemark and show them the film and have them understand but with that campaign that was supported through commercials on, you know, NCA, ESPN for college, be able to campaign, turning out to be very effective. And we were able to get placements across major markets believe it or not, and able to play the week to be the, uh, you know, the X factor for the film's success long, you know, in terms of longevity. Okay. But, you know, the, the biggest pushback we got was actually when we, after the movie came out, it became successful. We launched Generation I on Fitness Network, right, which is the media company based. The, the biggest pushback we, we got was when we launched the Generation I on Fitness uh, uh, Network. Yeah. And the pushback was from the other dying media companies in the fitness industry uh, who had magazines, you know, and they, they didn't want a, a new, you know, visual company, video company to come in and take away their, their remaining audience, basically. So that was the biggest pushback we got. And obviously, you know, three, four years later, the magazines no longer being printed. You know, the company that was uh, controlling the Olympia got sold to somebody else. It got dismantled in many ways. So, you know, um, that shows us what we were doing is, is, is what's the right way to go. And of course, with the help of social media and uh, influencers that joined our team, basically, we were able to really, you know, make Generation Iron a staple in bodybuilding now. And, and obviously, you know, we bring in more people to the team all the time, the experts, 
you know, uh, generation.com right now is a very uh, valid source for all information in fitness and bodybuilding. And we're going to continue uh, doing, you know, innovative things, both in, you know, uh, editorial content, video content, and long form film content as well. Yeah. So I- I'm glad you, you brought up uh, the Generation Iron Network. So you guys launched the video, right? And then did you guys decide to say, okay, this worked? We have an audience. Let's turn this into its own company. Or was that kind of in the, yeah. in the wheel? How yeah. That's exactly it. I mean, what ended up happening was we realized that there was a huge uh, movement that we had going on uh, based on the movie that we had released. We realized it was a huge you know, community that we had created, a uh, loyal fan base. And we decided at that point, I believe in 2014, to invest into a digital media platform that would be catered to fitness, bodybuilding, strength sports, um, and even MMA content, and then we and then we you know we got together with our team. We had the uh, producers in house. We had the team and the personnel and the writers and, and and honestly all the content creation team to be able to support a network like that. And um, we essentially became a full fledged digital media publisher that um, focuses on publishing news, editorial content, um, you know, branded content, and entertainment for the fitness, bodybuilding, strength sports community. So we grew that. Uh, and as Vlad mentioned, the, uh, you know, we noticed that there was a huge opportunity, obviously in the space for fitness uh, and bodybuilding, considering the bodybuilding trade and media and outlets like Muscle and Fitness, you know, Men's, Men's Fitness, which is now Men's Journal, and a lot of others were not really catering to the growth of social media and digital media in the mm-hmm. fitness realm. And um, we took advantage of that. We realize that we can cater to our audience pretty, you know, in a very sophisticated way through YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and be able to create content on a daily, you know, monthly basis and support it with our long form story content. So, you know, fast forward, uh, I would say six years now, five, six years, and, you know, we have a tremendous catalog of long form uh, content, stories, movies that we've either A, produce original content ourselves or have third-party content submitted, but most of our content, I would say 95% of it is uh, is original content that we've produced on movies like you meant, like you, you know, Ronnie Coleman the King, Generation Iron Series, the Hurt Business that we did with USC and Bellator, where we had Kevin Costner narrate to movies like On C.T. Fletcher that has performed extremely well for mm-hmm. us. Um, tremendous catalog, and then in addition to that, now we've have podcasts as well. We have, you know, original programs, original shows, um, you name it. And, you know, Generation Iron Brands now owns many different brands across, you know, uh, the fitness space, like Strength Wars, uh, which has 1.2 million subs on it, on, 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 what is it, on YouTube. You know, also we acquired a brand called Jim Fuckery, which you might know from the Jim Meme Fails on Instagram, yep. which has many followers. And uh, it's a tremendous platform for user-generated content. So now Generation Iron Brands has become a, you know, a preeminent digital media publisher creating education, entertainment, programming, and, and a pretty robust affiliate e-commerce business. To me, when I first um, came across you guys a couple of years ago, it, and this is, you know, I don't want to sound like too much of a kiss-ass, but um, it's, I just had, I just assumed you guys had been around for so long and 
you guys are putting out and you mentioned all the original content, but whenever I watch your stuff and, I, and I'm really curious how you guys have figured this out, it's almost as if, I mean, it's not almost as if it's, I really feel that I'm watching something that could be out of a classic bodybuilding uh, video from the 1970s with that. You guys just have great visualization in the way it's produced, but yet it's, about bodybuilders today. Have you guys noticed that? And do you know how you've curated that, you know, to give that nostalgic feel to everything that's coming out today? Good question. I mean, um, we would say, but yeah, you know, when it comes to, and you know, we have, question. when it comes to long form films, um, it's, it's, you know, it's basically what we do is we approach each one of them a little bit differently, you know, based on actual subject matter, you know, like the Ronnie Coleman, the King, I feel like people love that one a lot is because of the drastic difference with him, you know, Ronnie being, you know, the way he is right now and when he was in his prime as a bodybuilder, you know. It's a very emotional story that we were very familiar with, you know, but when we delivered it to, to, the, to the people, I guess a lot of them were shocked by it because they didn't even know what he was going through. Um, you know, like for instance, our film called Enhanced that came out last year, that was a shocking film because it depicts uh, this guy Tony Hughes who experiments with um, all types of different steroids, you know, and he's not afraid to show it on camera. So um, I think the nostalgic feel is uh, maybe comes from our, you know, appreciation from Pumping Iron film. Um, you know, we studied it very closely when we were before Main Generation Iron, the first one. So as we studied that film, we kind of wanted to mimic some of the storyline, not mimic the storylines, but mimic the actual feel, you know, which was nostalgic in the first one too. Uh, was a lot of irony in it, you know. So I think that comes from just, you know, studying the styles of different other films, documentaries, um, and picking the right characters and the right people. To, like, it's almost like casting a film, you know, you gotta pick the right actors to play the roles. Of course, in this case, they're real people, um, but you still wanna, you know, find the best things out of the storylines that are gonna be uh, interesting to the, right. to the people to watch. That's really 90% of what we do. When it comes to the, yeah, no. Um, and that's awesome. I'm happy that you brought that up. So how, you know, I would love to hear kind of a, if you can, a, just a quick overview of what a creative process is um, for Generation Iron and the Vlad Art Company. So you guys, you know, when you're trying to make a new film, how, how does, what does that room look like? Are you guys throwing th ideas at a whiteboard or how does it, how does it go from your head into a uh, actual film? Yeah, you know, right now we, so Generation Iron, we have this, this, uh, year we put out uh, we're gonna put out uh, a total of six films uh, feature films uh, last year we put out five films so we in constant it's it's when you make a film it's, it's basically development stage then it's production then it's post-production so we constantly in multiple levels of development uh, production and post-production right so when a, when a development stage is basically when an idea comes in place and we really try to develop it and see if it can be made into a full-fledged film because some stuff that we do ends up just being, uh, can be short form content, for instance, for the website, it can be series, you know, that we do for free viewership. Uh, or sometimes some ideas just don't go anywhere, you know, but if we see that the idea has legs and it can be made into a film that people are gonna watch and specifically watch on larger platforms, you know, like Netflix and Hulu and stuff like that, we tend to, uh, you know, push it to the next stage of production, basically. Mm -hmm. But development is where we try to create the most uh, planning for the production, you know, kind of scripting it, meaning that, okay, this is the shot list that we're trying to hit. You know, this is the interviews that we're trying to get into this film. 
So all the planning happens in development, you know, pre, pre-production development, I would say, uh, for documentaries. Yeah, and, and to add to that, I think um, a lot of a lot of it has to do also with um, the storylines. I mean, that can really appeal to a wider audience. I mean, you have guys like Doreen Yates, who every, you know a lot of people know that right. are, may not be into bodybuilding, but know who he is and his story. I mean, his stories like that, where he grew up as a skinhead to, you know, him being feeling depressed and wanting to kill himself at one point i mean those are pretty cool interesting stories that people really want to learn about you know and then he goes through an ayahuasca experience i mean it's a that's a, that's a story that we were able to tell with his movie uh that was released in november this past year um and then you know you have obviously guys like ct fletcher who's also you know from compton grew up with nothing and then a guy that you know i think at the one point broke the powerlifting record yeah um, and battled with depression, but also battled with, you know, his father, who kind of, he looked at as a demon in a way. It's pretty interesting and being able to get that feedback from Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, on set, telling us that it was the best movie, he's, his best documentary he's ever seen. I mean, that was pretty, pretty interesting. Um, and, you know, and we felt really, really, I mean, you know, happy to hear that. So there's stories like that that we kind of tend to look at a little bit clo- more closely and be able to tell the right stories. I mean, you know, those, those are things that we pride ourselves in. We want to be able to tell evergreen stories, stories that people can continue to watch for years, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that you, you really hit that, at least for me, it kind of puts it into perspective and it, you guys are really good at humanizing people that a lot of people look at as kind of superhumans, right? These bodybuilders are... Mm-hmm. literally physically larger than life um, individuals and and you, you give them um, uh, an actual human face them, which, which is really cool. And I think another, in my opinion, something that's come out of that is that you've created this community of people who not necessarily are bodybuilders, but people who really love the sport, which I think was missing uh, for a long time, at least since, you know, the days of yeah. Arnold. So I was wondering if you guys could want to touch on that for a little bit. And, and do you feel that? And is that something that you consciously did and are trying to cure it or it just kind of came with the movies and the website and, and everything? Yeah, I think, you know, part of our strategy was to, you know, when we sit down, like, you know, when we sit down and look at opportunities for projects with certain individuals and certain talents, I mean, we, we tend to look at some of our data as well and we say, you know, what we've, what have we done with guys like, you know, Kai, like Dorian, Callum and all these other guys. And, you know, we see what works. We see what people want to know more of. And that's kind of how we evaluate the opportunity to create more content. And then, you know, you know, being able to create these experiences with these projects with these athletes allows us to kind of understand what we can do with them, you know, later on and what we can kind of incorporate them into other projects in the future as well. So, you know, we want to be able to have a diversified, uh, I would say, catalog of projects that, you know, people can come to us and say, you know, these are projects that I can kind of, you know, you know, can fit my tastes. You know, sometimes, you know, that you have guys that are into, into powerlifting, some guys that are into bodybuilding, old school bodybuilders and the younger, younger uh, bodybuilders and your classic you know, the classic physique guys. So we give everybody a taste of everything, you know, and we, we have something for everyone that's interested in strength sports. And that's kind of how we created our content. Okay. Yeah. Again, I think 
it's it's the stories you guys tell are just very um very powerful so i would just kind of going back a little bit um to generate the, the the corporation generation or the business generation iron um how were those first days was that kind of a scary thing that said hey we're going to take a movie that worked and now we're going to try to like build a business around it or it was like a no-brainer for you guys yeah you know with with everything is always going to be a, a period of trial and error you know what i mean um you have to and then and that's you know we always want to expand our audience we always want to get more audiences involved and bring in mainstream audience as much as possible but with that, you have to learn to cater to the to the main to, to your main hardcore audience. Right. Um, you got to be authentic, you know. And that's where a lot of companies, I feel like they want to maybe expand into other things too fast. They want to incorporate other things too fast. I mean, we really wanted to. We learned that we have to cater to the bodybuilding audience as the main audience, and then little by little expand to more and more and more. And that takes time, you know. So we had to learn and we had to really understand that the, the people that love bodybuilding and love the first film are the ones that we have to really um, make sure that they love our content now. Um, and that's, you know, it's a little tricky because bodybuilding is very niche sport, as you know, right? right. So it's not going to hit millions of people right away, you know, uh, when you build a network. So you have to kind of expand little by little every year. And that was, you know. And that's the biggest challenge, of course. Now that a few years later, um, the audience is growing, it's expanding, you know, and now we have more people watching the films and the content and the traffic is growing exponentially. So, but in the beginning, you know, you really have to deliver your content to, to, to basically to your core audience. Yeah, and we learned also, and as far as part of the network itself and digital, and the digital media uh, platform, I mean, we realized that, you know, premium content is really the X factor when it comes to growing an audience and being able to have an audience that can, you know, you can build affinity with and be able to have them continue to come to you. We realize that, you know, long form content is what's going to continue and premium content is what's going to continue to have them to tune in um, and learn more about what you're doing and what, you know, what we have going on and obviously our stories and the content. But because right now what, hap what ends up happening is you end up having a lot of publishers out there that um, don't have the, uh, the capabilities or, you know, the know-how to create long-form content. And I think mm -hmm. they, they try to differentiate themselves with, you know, short-form digital media content, which is great. But sometimes, people, you know, what, you, what we realize is that a lot of people out there are looking for stories. And, you know, as Vlad mentioned, we knew that we had a very loyal following and committed audience, and we wanted to continue to grow that and create and produce content that continue to, to, to kind of like feed that pipeline, but also continue to give them more information, more content, and more news. Right. Um, so it's I, I'm so happy that you guys keep like, bringing up perfect questions. For me. So you say digital media, right? And kind of what we were talking about before is that bodybuilding was this old school magazines. Like, yeah, it's crazy. In 2003, I mean, they were still shipping magazines, right? Like the reason I know, so it's just on a personal level, the reason that I know about bodybuilding, right? Is because my dad, um, 
my dad was, you know, a big lifter um, in the basement growing up. I grew up in uh, right outside New York City. Uh, we always had weights like those standard 45 pound plates in the basement, which were just like, you know, they call your name as a kid, you know, and I was drawn <laughs> to that. And then my dad, you know, he wasn't he definitely always I feel like there was always pictures of Arnold around the house or things like that. It was, it was names um, that were in, uh, you know, kind of embedded in my head. And I, and I think about my dad here. Um, and he's, you know, he's about 65 now. And if you would have told him, Hey, all your bodybuilding content is going to be now on the internet and in documentaries. Now it's today. It sounds of course, right. That's it's a, it's a given. Right. But when you guys started this, I mean, and I could be wrong, but it seems that, you know, the bodybuilding community was skewing a little older. Was that uh, a big challenge for yeah. you guys? Or you found that pretty easy to kind of get them up? No, I mean, it, it was, the it was not challenging to get the people on board because they everybody was basically going in the social media route you know um, and they were watching netflix and they were and they were nobody was reading magazines they, 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 everybody was stopping to read magazines you know right. um, that's what those companies didn't understand and it's because they had no passion for it joe weeder was the one that had passion for bodybuilding right he made all these magazines like flex magazine and muscle and fitness and all that mm -hmm. and then he sold it he sold it at the peak um early 2000s basically right mm -hmm. when he sold that that his empire basically the new owners they just had absolutely no passion for it at all so they and they were kind of like dinosaurs in a way you know they just didn't see the changes coming um and that's when you kind of don't govern with passion sometimes you lose it you know so of course everybody in the fitness industry when the social media hit when the movie hit when everything else hit they were adapting to it very quickly um, and so when we saw the void, we right away wanted to take a opportunity, you know, and make sure that people are getting the content via all these platforms, you know, and of course the films and then, but some people discover, you know, uh, Generation Iron just as movies, let's say, right, just as, the, as Generation Iron, the movie, right? Mm. Some people find us on, they just go to the website and kind of follow the website. Some people just don't some social media, it just depends, you know, it's kind of like, it's, it's very segmented in a way, our business. Um, but, you know, of course, people that really follow us, they know what we are. They know the network and, and the publishing company and everything else. Um, but, you know, the people were not hard to get to follow us. It was just those other companies that were not adapting to the times. They knew they were losing uh, their market share. And, of course, they were, they were very unhappy about that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm, again, I'm really happy you brought up the word passion. Um, and I definitely see it in all of your content on the website and, and even, um, Vlad, just seeing you on screen in a couple of the films, you, you can tell, um, how invested you are in Edwin, uh, with talking to you outside of today. You know, I, I really, I don't see it with everyone I talk to, but you guys, I really do feel the passion is there. Um, where, where, where is that coming from? Cause, um, yeah, I really would just love to know how you guys are so passionate about, uh, bodybuilding. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, you know, we realized that, <laughs> I mean, I love Flat speak on his that too, but we um, we we kind of you know when we look at Generation I, we look at an opportunity for us where we can create you know you know inspiring content, inspiring movies, be able to continue to do our craft as filmmakers, and then be able to still be you know become a multimedia publisher um, that can create content that can create news that can you know bring awareness to 
you know, uh, information about health, you know, uh, you know, awareness for, you know, entertainment, anything, you know, related to what we love to do. And obviously with, with, with regards to what we've built over the years, we realize that this is an opportunity for us to continue to grow um, as the industry continues to change in the fitness world, in the publishing world. And we were able to pretty much bridge it all together. And uh, we really believe in what we're doing because we have a great team here, obviously, that has seen the vision. And we have some of our guys here that have been with us for years from the beginning. Um, and that also see the same vision. And that's why we're also very passionate about what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, I sort of just, you know, obviously, you know, we both like the fitness lifestyle, you know, before the film. But, you know, what really also inspired us also is seeing um, these bodybuilders while making the first film and see how much they put in the line for such a little prize money too. And they, right. they have passion for this, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't just a money um, opportunity for them at all, you know? It was just, they really liked that lifestyle. They put their health on the line so many times while doing it, you know? And that kind of like, when you see that type of dedication, you also kind of get inspired and you want to showcase what they do into the world, you know? So that, that, that also, you know, inspired us to, to document that more and more and more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the fitness aspect of it, you know, Ariel, you know, obviously the health aspect of it, I mean, it's very uh, inspirational for me. I mean, it changed my life and the way I look at fitness and the way I look at bodybuilding. I mean, it's, it's more of a discipline, obviously for me being able to look at what these guys do every day and how they eat. You can take a little bit of that and apply it to your own life. And really it's life changing because it creates, good habits, it creates discipline, it creates, you know, an awareness of what you're eating and what you're putting into your body. I mean, those things, you know, really correlate to, 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 to bodybuilding and fitness. And for us, it's, it was very inspirational, but it also created a lifestyle for us. The, the new film that we're about to release July 31st, um, it's called Generation Iron Natty for Life, which is the fourth installment in the Generation Iron film series. I think it's going to be extremely controversial. It's already causing a lot of uh, controversy in the industry because the film basically covers natural bodybuilders, right? People that don't use any type of enhancements, just right. natural protein, you know, and, and eating and working out basically, right? So it's going to be a controversial film because obviously steroids are controversial in itself in the fitness industry. Like no matter what, it's always going to cause controversy. But this film is going to definitely, uh, it's going to be interesting because uh, I think a lot of people are going to kind of divide on this reception. And we're getting, some people are going to maybe hate it, some people are going to love it, but it's going to cause a lot of dialogue. And we're getting ready for that right now. And I feel like it's going to be our most controversial film uh, ever that we've done. I think that I definitely identify with everything you guys are saying, because at least from my perspective, you know, when I'm, I'm hitting the gym and I'm, I'm trying to eat clean, you know, I don't, I don't go in with the mindset that, okay, I'm going to be a bodybuilder, but you know, it's almost like when I mutter to myself, yeah, buddy, you know, uh, echoing Ronnie, like, I mean, I'm sure there is me and millions of people around the world doing that. It just gives you that little, you know, extra motivation, which is awesome. And then when it comes to, um, the steroid front, so, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I'm, as you guys know, I follow bodybuilding, so I'm aware of that, uh, what's going on, but did you, were you got, cause it doesn't see, and I could be wrong, but you guys don't necessarily shy away from it. Um, sometimes, but you're not like hitting on it completely. Were you guys in the past, have you guys gotten backlash about, um, you know, steroids or is it just been, you know, smooth sailing on that front? 
it's always it's, it's always some people want to see more of steroids some people say we shouldn't cover it at all right and it's always going to be somebody's going to want it some way you know what i'm saying so we have films like enhance that just focus purely on steroids we have some films that don't talk about steroids at all we have some films that talk a little bit about steroids you know what i mean it just depends on what we're trying to what, what kind of story it is yeah i mean we try to bring an objective viewpoint to everything that okay. we create and obviously we let the viewer decide and obviously, yeah. you know, and have them, you know, understand, you know, what the perspective is that the story from the story that's being told. So ultimately, you know, as filmmakers and producers, we want to be able to kind of get both sides, be able to tell a story, just similar to how we did on Generation Iron, where we had, you know, a few doctors and Dr. Dr. Jim Stepani on there talking about the effects and what causes and, and things that bodybuilders can do better and the industry can do better because at the time that movie came out it was a very taboo topic talking about steroids and so is today but we're able to kind of insert an objective viewpoint in there that helps kind of elaborate on the story and be able to kind of tell the viewer what we're you know the story that we're trying to tell yeah, yeah. um so i you know and you guys definitely hit on that that steroids have always been such a controversial topic there we go. So, first of all, I think that slowly but surely, um, it's becoming a little less controversial, but that could also just be because of the content that I consume. Um, but what do you guys, you know, you guys are really industry insiders. Why do you think it's such a controversial topic uh, for outsiders looking in? Well, it's controversial because it's still illegal, obviously, to use right. it for for bodybuilding purposes, for sport, for any type of performance enhancement, it's, it's, it's illegal to use. It's only legal to use when it's prescribed by a doctor in low dosages for TRT, basically, right? Um, other than that, it's illegal, basically. So you're talking about something that is illegal, but at the same time, people people say that everybody's using it regardless. You know what I'm saying? So we're yeah. like in this weird situation where, uh, but then, you know, some people say they never use it in bodybuilding, you know what I mean? So it's like, we, it's very hard to really know the truth sometimes, you know? Um, of course, we know people that use it a lot, you know, they use it all the time for bodybuilding purposes, and quite frankly, they even promote it, you know? And some people um, use it, but they would never talk about it ever. Um, and most pro bodybuilders actually would never openly, candidly talk about it because just like any other professional athlete would not talk about it, you know, it's 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 illegal, it's prohibited, you know what I'm saying? You can't talk about it when you're still a professional athlete. Um, some do when they retire, they talk about it, of course, openly, you know, but it's just it's it's just one of those taboo issues, you know. And also um, the 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 actual you know effects of steroids, long term effects, are still not fully known about change over the years. You know, and some people claim that it's very bad for you long term, and some people say no, it's actually great for you. So it's like there's a lot of information out there, but it's not often backed up by science. It's a lot of the kind of like homegrown scientists uh, uh, getting this information out. So um, it's just hard to get the real truth about it. You know? mm. Okay, yeah, I mean maybe I'm just uh, <laughs> listening to a lot of Joe Rogan, so maybe my uh, you know I'm coming from the hey, it's not that controversial, but I could be wrong, and I'm sure uh, people will obviously have their own uh, thoughts and opinions. Um, so I've been thinking, you know, as we're talking here, and it, it's interesting because if I would compare, you know, if we want to compare um, bodybuilding to a sport, let's say the NBA, the NHL, the NFL, right? You know, there is 
a governing body, right? The NFL is run by the NFL. Now, obviously, there's a lot of different bodybuilding federations, but oh, yeah. but you guys are still you're an outsider, but you're still the go to source for that sport. So I was wondering if you guys can kind of talk about that relationship to the sport of bodybuilding, because I find it fascinating. Um, well, we always had great relationships with, with a variety of federations. You know, um, I think the main federation that everybody goes to is IBB Pro, uh, which is you know something that um, Joe and Ben and Weider built together and has been running for many years. Right now, we just work with another organization called IMBA, PNBA, which is the the drug tested organization. You know, and um, we, we've we've never had issues with any organization really. It's, it's, been primarily just focusing on the athletes and make sure that they support us, you know. Um, it's almost like, um, what's the relationship between NBA and ESPN? You know, I'm guessing it's positive, uh, but some, sometimes ESPN reports on a whole variety of different stories objectively. You know, I'm sure NBA doesn't like all of it, but they still respect them as a network that delivers the content, you know what I mean? So I feel like we're kind of in the same position. Yeah, I mean, I think, there, you know, 2013, 2014 was a turning point really because uh, a lot of these federations realized that, you know, back in the day, just just for some context, you know, these magazines or these federations would have exclusivity over yeah. the athletes that performed in their leagues. Right. So if you go and perform in the IFBB Pro League and then you go and perform in another league, they kind of like disband you in a way yeah, of course. Uh, and, and penalize you. Um, that to a degree doesn't exist as much anymore. And I think a lot of that has to do also with media coverage. And I think the athletes themselves and social, and social media has provided a huge opportunities for talent and athletes, you know, and fitness trainers around the world. So what what's happened is it's opened up a lot of opportunities and, you know, and media opportunities. And I think for us working with the uh, federations, they realize that at the end of the day, media, is, is a positive thing, um, whether, you know, it comes in, in negative forms here and there, but there's more exposure to their federations and they've, you know, accepted that and they've uh, welcomed us uh, with open arms, of course, throughout all the federations worldwide. Mm. Yeah, no, that's, uh, well, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that because, you know, right, it's it's kind of like the, the situation where that ESPN NBA relationship, which is really interesting. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, it makes, yeah, you guys are kind of like that. If a, you can do great in, you know, in a federation, but you guys are the ones kind of reporting on it and they still need you guys to get that exposure. Um, yeah. And we, and we've worked with, you know, the Arnold classic, we've, you know, produced a broadcast there several years. We produced the Olympia uh, broadcast, live broadcast. So mm -hmm. we've been big supporters of, of, all those events and uh, you know obviously being able to bring that type of exposure to to bodybuilding has allowed us to create more relationships you know early on when we did generation iron and all of our films to be to be frank i don't think the community in the body i would say the bodybuilding federation the community itself didn't realize how far these projects would go mm -hmm. uh, in bringing and you know shedding light into into bodybuilding and i think that that's one of the reasons why generation iron today has continued to become the, the number one source yeah um so you know and and before we go i, I do want to touch on something that i think you guys and again you guys are doing a, a really a, just a phenomenal job but 
the fitness industry, unfortunately, especially on the big bad internet, as they say, you know, YouTube and the comment checks and man, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's so toxic. <laughs> so many brands out there that are just, Oh my God, how could you work with that? And you guys, from what I've seen, have avoided that controversy. You know, you don't get that ton of, and, and these are also good companies and bad companies that get tons and tons of negative feedback. And you guys are just, you know, trucking away, doing amazing stuff. And there's not a lot of controversy when it comes to you guys. I'm maybe a little about the start. It's kind of what we said, but not, not the type of backlash that other companies are seeing. So I'm curious to, to get your perspective on how you've guys been able to kind of manage your reputation and stay away from uh, the comment section, as I'll call it. I think, you know, I'll, I'll talk about it as well, but I think it's objectivity, like Ed said before. We keep it very objective, you know. The audience ultimately decides what they want to decide, you know. We just create a platform. Sometimes we get in the same film, there's opposing points of views, right? There's an actual dialogue happening. So I feel like when you do that, you at least show the audience that you, you know, you create equal opportunity for people to deliver that message, you know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. And those who want to deliver a message and want to come to Generation Iron, we most of the time we'll talk to them and, and potentially provide the platform, you know what I mean? So I feel like when you're being objective, um, the audiences, they feel that and they, and some of course will never understand no matter what you show them, you know what I mean? They're gonna, they're gonna criticize you regardless. But I feel like the majority, like 90% of the people, they, they're gonna see the objectivity from us and they're gonna in some ways respect the objectivity even if sometimes they don't like a certain project or whoever's doing the talking, but the objectivity really helps, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and to add to that, I think, um, you know, I think we've, we've reached a, a point where we aren't too worried uh, about constructive criticism or negative feedback, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, we, we take, you know, what we, we, we hear and what we learn from our, from our audience and we, we continue to be better, you know, I think, for for us, especially on social media, you're right. I mean, you see all these negative comments and really toxic comment section. And, um, you know, what we try to do is avoid that sometimes and, and not pay too much attention to that, because ultimately what we learned is that sometimes when people talk, it's, it's actually a good thing. Actually, we, we get more engagement. We get actually more traction on our projects. You know, we, 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 I remember when we did a movie on Enhance on this guy, Tony Hughes. Yeah. I mean, you know, this guy was blatantly talking about steroids and, you know, and all the, and showing people how to take them and what the effects were and putting 20 pounds of muscle in like 30 days. Yeah. I mean, the comments were horrendous, but I think we realized, you know, even after the movie came out, it was like number one on iTunes and number one on Google. And then we realized what, look, I mean, you know, these comments stir the pot and obviously continue to create more more engagement. Um, on our behalf, it's like Vlad said, it's about the objectivity and be able to, you know, being able to continue to tell the stories and have the viewers decide for themselves whether what they, you know, watch and like, it's up to them. And I think we, we were able to tell different stories. And, and I think our audience at this point, they realize that every single movie or every single project and content that we release, it's different. And we're, we're serving different stories for, for a variety of people. Uh -huh. Awesome. Um, so thank you guys so much. Uh, and this has been 
Just, first of all, on a personal note, a pleasure. And I don't want to end on a negative. And we were talking about, you know, the big bad comment. <laughs> so if you, before we go, um, if you guys can kind of give a piece of advice uh, to someone, whether it's an up and coming filmmaker or someone trying to get into the bodybuilding world or, some, or someone just really trying to improve their, you know, their health and fitness level, what would you guys say to them? Well, I can say, you know, without a doubt, I think, you know, you got to build uh, a team. You have, you have to build collaborations. And I think having, you know, someone that you can work with that you can trust and create, you know, you have the same vision with to create content with, I think is the number one advice in my opinion, because some people like to go at it alone a lot of times. And I feel that you're not going to be able to get the results that you think you can get alone. Uh, and that comes from experience, I think. And I think when you collaborate and you work with others and you create content with others and opportunities with others, you you know, you, you see the fruits of, of that labor. And I think, you know, also someone who's also trying to improve their life, uh, you know, you, you look you look for what's, you're, what you're passionate about and you try to apply yourself to that on a daily, you know, on a daily basis with people that are, are like-minded individuals. And that's kind of like what we do here. You know, we tend to kind of, uh, do that on a daily basis and have, you know, collaborative, you know, calls and meetings whenever we can with people that think the same way and, and want to create great uh, content. Um, my biggest advice to the filmmakers that, you know, are getting into the business is um, when you make any type of project, whether it's a short film, long, long form film, a YouTube video, try to think of uh, the audience, uh, who is this for exactly. Right. Try, even if it's for even if if it's for twenty people, it doesn't matter what the scale is. Just try to figure out who would want to watch this. That way, it's going to be easier. Once you finish the film, you don't just like run around trying to find the audience. You you making the film with the audience in mind already. So I feel like it's going to save a lot of time for a lot of people. Uh, and it's a very simple advice to follow. I think also. Okay, uh, thank you guys again so much, um, guys. It's been a, a true pleasure. And uh, if you want to plug the kick-ass documentary um that's coming out on the 31st please give it a shout out and yeah no, thank you thank you again Ariel, for having us i mean it's really honestly a pleasure for us as well to be speaking to you and someone who's as passionate about fitness and bodybuilding um we don't find that quite too often <laughs> um but you know we're um you know we're very excited to release generation Nine four i mean this is a film that you know we've been working on for the past year uh, fortunately for us, we were able to shoot everything before the end of 2019. Um, so we were able to get our production in before COVID hit. Um, and the exciting thing about this food movie and this chapter um, in the series is that it takes uh, place across the country as well. Um, and it you know highlights natural bodybuilding competitors um, and also features Michael Hearn in that, you know, and obviously there's a lot Kai of Green. And Kai Green. So we're very excited to unveil that movie. That movie will release July 31st. It's going to be very exciting. It has tremendous information about national bodybuilding competitors. It's a completely different world that most people are used to seeing. Um, and I think people will be very surprised by it. Uh, awesome. Where can people uh, catch that if they want to tune in? You're going to see it on iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, all the, all the major platforms. Um, around the world and, and also uh, Vimeo as well yeah so July 31st July 31st on demand if you go to generationiron.com you will find it there um, and you will find it on any of those platforms through generationiron.com amazing uh, thank you guys so much again and uh, yeah I'll catch you guys soon this is the Thought Leaders Podcast 
All right, everybody, that is another episode in the books. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Remember to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us your comments and reviews, and new episodes will be coming out every Monday. So until then, have an awesome week. This is the Thought Leaders Podcast.